the next speaker is uh, Dr. Nadia Vidro. Nadia's main uh, research interest lies in, the, in the Jewish medieval Jewish manuscripts uh, from the Geniza and also outside the Geniza. Uh, she has worked extensively on the history of Karaite tradition of biblical programmers, and uh, she has published two, book with two books on the topic. She has been a member of the Geniza Research Unit, and in that function we have also shared an office for some time. And, uh, and now she's part of the ERC calendar team here at UCL, and uh, she has been focuses on calendrical cycles in medieval and early modern Jewish manuscripts. The title of her talk today is Scientific and Popular Calendars in Medieval Jewish Church Sources. Nadia. Thank you very much. Um, before I even start, I must confess that my research area within our project is responsible for you coming here and uh, Basically, I'm very much hoping that you will help me with my questions that I won't, wasn't able to answer myself with. Um, maybe parallels from various areas that you are studying, uh, because many of my questions are not so much on calendar, but on the interaction between scientific culture and scientific elite and popular, uh, popular culture. Um, I will start my talk with a Geniza fragment, which is an introduction to a work on calendar. Only the introduction has survived, we don't know the work. But in this introduction, the author talks about three levels of calendrical knowledge in the audience, um, of, in the uh, potential audience of his book. And he talks about three levels. On the first level are people who have studied the calendar calculation extensively and can, as a result, work out the calendar um, from the first principles of calendar calculation without any help. On the second level are those who have studied the calendar calculation but haven't invested as much time and effort, so they can calculate and figure out the calendar for the years that they're interested in, but they will need some pre-calculated data which they can sort of combine, put together, and work out the calendar through a set of very, very simple arithmetical uh, operations. And then on a third level are those people who, for whom even this, uh, this um, simple arithmetical calculation will be too difficult, and what they need is a ready-made preset calendar that they can just use without thinking. And to a certain extent, it is uh, all my talk will be about the interaction between the different um, people who find themselves on a different level of calendrical knowledge. Um, <clears throat> so exactly in accordance with the three levels identified with our author, if we look at the calendrical corpus as a whole in different areas and different times, you find works that, address, that are addressed to exactly these three types of audience. We find monograph, uh, monograph length treatises uh, on the first principles of calendar reckoning addressed as scientific elite. We also find a plentitude of short calendar manuscripts, very often in liturgical and halachic works, which on uh, one page or a few pages teach the basics of calendar calculations without going um, deep into details and um, argument arguments about why and 
why not? And they also very often present some pre-calculated data that people then can use uh, to set the calendar for the years that they're interested in. And there's also a plentitude of ready-made calendar tables for a range of years. Whereas the short calendar manu manuals are most often anonymous and cannot be attributed to any particular authority, the monographs are, of course, authored by uh, very often uh, known and known scientists. So uh, what we have in terms of calendar monographs um, are um, a number of texts from the 12th century composed by Abraham Bahia in northern France, uh, France and also by Jacob Bar Samson in northern France. Uh, there's a sefer I bought, a book on calendar by Abraham Ibn Ezra composed as well in the 12th century and he has actually written quite a number of uh, high-level books on calendar. Uh, then the highest achievement of calendrical monograph comes in the 14th century Toledo from Isaac Israeli. Uh, but with him the, the tradition of writing calendar monographs doesn't stop and for example in the end of the 14th century, Catalonia, Profiat Durang uh, composes Heshev HaEfod, a work which, is, uh, which has been very little worked on, so there's a field as well. But apart from um, substanding calendar monographs, there are also very high-level, highbrow works, uh, calendrical treatises in halachic works, and um, maybe the most important example is... Um, Maimonides, the sanctification of the new moon, which is part of his law code, Mishneh Torah, also composed in the 12th century. Um, I called all these works on my slide scientific calendar treatises. And the reason uh, for calling them scientific is not only because they, um, they're massive, they have methodology, and they, they explain you the treatise, they, 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 they explain you the principles of calendar reckoning but also because the, the underlining, uh, what, what, underlies, what underlies them is um, Greco-Arabic Greco astronomy. They, uh, their task is to explain why the calendar is the way it is based on astronomical principles. And they also supply um, the, mathema the mathematical science necessary to understand the astronomy and then the supply the astronomy necessary to understand why the calendar is the way it is. So these works are based on very good and solid scientific grounding. Um, yeah, so the, and here I come um, to the main question of uh, my presentation. What I'm trying to understand in my research and here as well is what is the relationship between those highbrow academic scientific works on calendar and the actual calendar knowledge of the masses and the actual calendar used by the masses. So the, the, the pictures will be familiar from our posters. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is to see how this book composed by scientists influences the calendar lived by this simple guy here. Um, to do this, I will not so much look at the scientific works, but at the actual calendar tables that we find in practice. But um, 
to explain why those uh, why those tables can tell us something about the relationship between the academic uh, scientific works and the the real life calendar. I need to say a few words about the principles of calendar reckoning. So give you a very short calendar manual here. <laughs> um, don't worry, very, very short. And um, I must say that the principles of calendar reckoning are exactly identical in these long scientific works and in the short, manual, uh, short manuals. And the idea is to base the calendar on the calculation of the new moon and on the 19-year cycle of intercalations about which Sasha has briefly spoken, whereby 12 years uh, consist of 12 months and 7 years consist of 13 months, and there is a clear sequence which years will be 13-month years or so-called intercalated. Incidentally, this 19-year um, this cycle starts from creation and you can divide all years from creation into these 19-year groups within which you sometimes add an extra month. Incidentally, this 19-year cycle is also used in calendar text for dating. Sort of instead of saying um, year 20 from creation, you can say year one of the second 19-year cycle, which tells you 19, one, one set of 19 years has passed and the second has just begun. Um, and this is what you will see a lot in the tables, because tables are very often dated not with the date from creation or with, this, with the Seleucid date or with any other uh, date, but they're of very often dated with what 19-year cycle you're in and what year of the 19-year cycle. Um, it is not a principle of the calendar reckoning to, have, to make the calendar non-cyclical, but this is the result of the rules of uh, calendar. The standard Jewish calendar is not cyclical. It, it does form a cycle of about 700,000 years, which is not a practical cycle, so it is non-cyclical. Can you explain what you mean by that? What I mean, what I mean by calendar cycle is um, if you calculate <coughs> a calendar for a certain number of years, for year one, year two, year three, year one, and so on, a calendar is cyclical if you can find a sequence, say of 10 years, after which the same sequence will repeat for the next 10 years. For example, if to, uh, our, our year say, starts on a Monday and is um, so and so long, next year starts on a Wednesday and is so and so long, and next year starts on a uh, Saturday and is so and so long, and the fourth year will again be like the first and the fifth again like the second and the sixth and like the third, I can, you can say the calendar is cyclical. Um, this doesn't happen in the standard Jewish calendar unless you wait for about 700,000 years. So it doesn't really help you much to know there's this cyclicity period. <clears throat> As I said, these rules are in absolutely any text on the Jewish calendar. If they explain you how to calculate calendar, they'll use the same set of rules. Um, but if you look at the actual calendar tables, they are, def they are of two different and incompatible sorts. Um, what I mean by calendar table is a, a, a is calendar for a range of years. Yeah, 
in the Middle Ages, usually you don't find a calendar for just one year, you find a calendar for a range of years. And um, there are lots of tables that are based on those rules described in uh, the calendar manuals. They're based on calculation. They are calculated for the particular year, for, for some sort of uh, particular range of years in which the um, scribe or whoever prepared the table was interested. And usually <coughs> this range of years is not terribly long. They'll calculate for two 19-year cycles, three 19-year cycles, something like 60 years, for example. A calendar will cover something like 60 years. So that's one group of calendars. But uh, there is also another group of calendars that is incompatible with the first group and incompatible, largely incompatible, with the rules of calendar described in calendar manuals. And these tables are based on the claim that Jewish calendar is actually reiterative, that it, it forms a cycle and repeats itself after a, after a certain period of time which we have just seen is not true in the standard Jewish calendar. These tables are for 247 years, and very, very often they have not been calculated for the particular 247 years that they say to cover, but they've been taken from an older table and <coughs> recycled. Because if you say your calendar is a cycle, you don't really need to calculate for your particular years. You can take any old table and use it over and over again, just supply the, just find where your dates fit in with the table and then you can use it. Um, you might say 247 years is a very strange number of years to cover in a calendar table. Um, um, it isn't actually so strange if you think in 19 year cycles. 247 years are 13 19 year cycles. Um, and the, in the context of these tables that claim that a calendar for 247 years is reiterative and can be reused again and again and again, they talk about 13 cycles that recur forever. Uh, if you've ever heard or seen um, uh, something about this cycle in the secondary literature or in calendar or in catalogues of manuscripts, you'll probably see, have seen it under the name of Igul of Rav Nachshon Gaon, the cycle of Rav Nachshon Gaon, an attribution which uh, I would say is uh, pseudo-historical. Um, but um, I'll show you an example, then you'll understand more closely. So here is a table for uh, 247 years, and the way it is structured is it covers 19-year cycles from the 19-year cycle, this particular one, 264, for example, until 276, and each line is one such 19-year cycle. If you count this, each 19 pieces of data in each line, and each piece of data describes one describes a calendar for one particular year. Um, and the way you use this calendar is you can use it as it is uh, while uh, you are somewhere within these original 
dates between 19-year cycle 264 and 276, but when uh, this 19-year cycle is over, the, this particular manuscript in, instructs you, cycle 277 will be as it is written in the first line, 278 as it is written in the second line, and 279 as it is written in the third line. So it suggests you can just recycle it, this, uh, the calendar will recur forever. And this is what these tables look like. Um, we've just said that it is incompatible with uh, the standard calendar because the standard is not reiterative, but nevertheless, it is a, an extremely popular calendar. Um, I think it originated in the 10th century, and they carry on with it all the way until the 19th century. Um, I've ju looking just at the Middle Ages plus the 16th century, I've discovered 250 manuscripts of it. In basically any geocultural area you take, uh, they, are, they are found in Ashkenaz, in Sfarad, in Italy, in Yemen, in, in the entire Oriental. Uh, area, Byzantium, wherever you look, this calendar is known. Um, so here's the dilemma. Scientific works and any calendar manual says this is how calendar is calculated, and a large, very, very large group of calendar tables um, say, no, the calendar will be this. And it is different from the, the calculation um, required by the rules. Um, I would suggest to call this calendar table the, the calendar cycle a popular calendar. And here's why. First of all, it is a very long-term solution to calendar problems. Not only 247 years as such are a very are a hugely long period of time. Uh, you can never outlive <laughs> that. But you can, also re you can also recycle the table forever, so that covers you basically for any period of, for any length of time that you might need a calendar for. Very, very little prior knowledge is required to use such table. The only thing you need to know is your date and how to convert your date into date expressed in 19-year cycles. So you, the only thing you need to know is how to look how to put yourself into the right cell in this table. It is also not produced by calculation. It is produced by recycling in an old table, so you don't even need much knowledge, knowledge to produce such a table. But what is perhaps more telling about its popular nature is that nowhere in the whole body of the, well, one should never say nowhere, but uh, in any manu in all the manuscripts that uh, all members of our team have looked at, there's never a justification and a defense of why the system should work. And there's never an explanation of how this table was put together for at the f in the first place. So the table is there, take it and use it, don't ask. And to my mind, this is an indication showing that uh, this table is addressed at an audience that does not require justification of why. It doesn't ask why is the calendar like that. Um, 
Even though it is a popular calendar and we don't find any justification of this calendar, uh, calendar monographs know very well about, uh, about this cycle. And they talk about it and they uh, criticize and refute it, unsurprisingly. Um, uh, what do they say is the problem with this calendar? Um, they never say it's, not astro it's astronomically not good. Actually, uh, even though it is not as astronomically precise as the standard calendar, um, Sasha has calculated that it is still a very good lunar calendar. You could live with it. People could have decided that this will be our lunar calendar and they wouldn't get out of sync with the moon uh, too seriously, really. The, the only real problem with it, uh, for which it gets refuted in scientific texts, is that it deviates from the standard calendar. And it doesn't deviate greatly. It deviates in about 5 to 15 years out of every 247 years. So you may be very lucky to use this calendar, live, live with it, and never deviate from the standard calendar, actually using this easy easy device saving you all the calculation. And when I say it deviates from the standard calendar, as what happens if you are unlucky to live during the years when the reiterative calendar and the standard calendar are not the same, um, some of your days of, days of the week of holidays will be off. For example, uh, here is a, if you happen to live in 13, 54 and 5, and you use a standard calendar, you will celebrate Passover on a Saturday, but if you rely on the reiterative calendar in this particular years, year, the reiteration, reiterating the, the calendar does work and your Passover will be on a Sunday. And then next year, New Year according to the standard calendar should be Monday and Tuesday, whereas reiterative calendar will have it on Tuesday and Wednesday. And after a while, they'll, they'll get even again. And for a long stretch of years, like for 100 years, they'll go, they'll go hand in hand again. They'll be in sync. So, and, um, so the, the discrepancy, one might say, is not so huge. And maybe nothing to worry about so much. Were it not for the idea in rabbinic Judaism that the entire nation of Israel should live according to the same calendar, should have the same liturgical year, should celebrate the holidays at the same time, should keep their fasts at the same time. And <clears throat> uh, this was uh, basically the reason why the calculated calendar was instituted in the first place, to keep everyone on the same plane, calendrically on the same plane. And um, there are lots of texts in medieval, um, by medieval authors um, expressing the, the need and wish for calendar unanimity as this one um, that says that in order that Israel shouldn't observe the same festival on two different days, the father today and the son tomorrow and the brother the day after, Israel instituted the calendar calculation. Therefore, therefore, it is right to rely on the calendar calculation and not split Israel into factions, whereby one would desecrate the holy day of the other. So it's a big priority to stick to the same calendar. Everybody celebrates at the same time. And to this idea, the reiterative calendar is, of course, 
depending on that, because sometimes it does not produce results that are identical with the standard calendar. And if somebody sticks to the standard calendar and another community <coughs> uses the reiterative calendar, um, they won't celebrate Passover at the same time. Um, so if the rules of calendar calculations are fairly well known, if calendar priority is such a big deal, did people actually use reiterative calendars? Can it be that it was just an idea that's out there, but nobody used those calendars because they knew that there's a chance they might there's a chance they might deviate from the standard calendar. Um, it appears that those calendars were actually used. Um, first of all, they are ubiquitous. It's um, perhaps a little bit unlikely that 250 uh, tables will be copied for, for just for the purpose of copying them. They're also copied in quite practical manuscripts. They're copied in liturgical works, for example, and very often as the only calendar included in this work. Not always, but sometimes as the only calendar included in this work. Um, what's more, you can actually see signs of use here. Um, you can see dates added, for example. There. Um, this here is, uh, he's putting a, act an actual date on this year, and what you can also see, they, they get redated. So the original calendar here was for 19-year cycles 261, 262, da, 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 until 266. Well, that's just, a, um, I just clipped a bit from the image, so there's, there's the whole 13 cycles. But um, a, a later user who used this manuscript 247 years later, uh, said, no, no, these earlier cycles are no use to me. What I want is to find where I am in this table. So, I keep losing the mouse. Okay, I'll just stand up. <laughs> so what he does is he changes the dates of the table to the dates that fit his period. We, we don't need to know when this is, but <laughs> you can just see that, um, that somebody <coughs> made it more usable. What we also see that although they claim that the calendar is fully reiterative and can be used, one table can be used forever, 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 those tables get updated. For example, many 13th and 14th century tables carry some calendrical information from the early, early 12th century. But as you, um, as you get to the 15th century, you can see that this information has been updated um, to what fits um, this later period. So um, I'm not sure they are updating it as a, um, as a correction of this cyclical calendar. I, I'm thinking maybe they discovered there's some discrepancy with another calendar or with what was announced in the synagogue or uh, maybe they thought it's a scribal error. I'm not, I'm not even sure they're correcting as in correcting an incorrect type of calendar. Maybe they're just correcting um, casually, sort of, not, not trying to bring them in. Uh, yeah. Um, but that they are updated to fit with the standard calendar also shows that um, 
this table wasn't thought of as a separate calendar. It was thought of as a simple means of, of establishing, setting the standard calendar. Um, I'm not sure it was uh, originally suggested as a means of calculating the standard calendar. Maybe it was suggested as an alternative, but as, as time went on and, and as people lived the calendar, it got to be a way of, um, of setting the, the standard calendar. So yeah, I think people did use it. Um, and I think it was actually very common. Those tables were around. And uh, what is interesting is that even scientific calendar treatises unknowingly became carriers of calendrical information associated with reiterating the calendar. Um, uh, <clears throat> let's see, for example, as I said, the, the, the highest point of calendar, calendar monograph writing is Isaac Israeli's Yisodolam, the book on, on calendar. And this book very clearly refutes the reiterative calendar. Uh, there's a whole section out of which um, uh, there's a very small portion here which says um, you should not rely on this cycle of 13, 19 year cycles as they other people have assumed. And I will give you an example of why it, the, the calendar doesn't recur. And the example that he gives is he compares between um, three years in the 19 year cycle 274 and the, 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 the parallel three years, 247 years earlier, in the cycle 261. And he says, see, look at the calendar for these years. It is not the same. Um, the Passover is on Sunday or on Tuesday. The New Year is Tuesday, Thursday, and Passover again. So the, these years are out of sync. You can see very clearly that... Um, the, the calendar doesn't work. But at a certain point in his composition, Isaac Israeli has a, a very long table, a very long calendar table for um, a huge number of years, not much more than 247. And, and what should you find in the line for the cycle 274, so the one that he discusses. Um, he says the correct calendar for the cycle 274, this is what he gives us here, um, uh, would be uh, uh, to have uh, sort of Passover on a Sunday, this is the Aleph here, to have a New Year on Tuesday and Passover on Thursday, and then to have New Year on a Saturday in the next year and Passover on a Thursday. Whereas 13 cycles earlier, that's different. But if you compare those signs that are used to formulate the, the calendar in such treatises with what is actually in the manuscript, the manuscript gives you this data for 261 pretending that's the correct data for 274. Even though, uh, in this same treatise, the author claims this is, um, here the calendar will be like that. So, um, 
Um, clearly, the table, um, this incorrect data, doesn't come from the author. I don't think it comes from Isaac Israel. It comes from a scribe of this 15th century manuscripts. And I also don't think it, 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 sneaked in as, it is sneaked in as a sort of a passive-aggressive polemic. <laughs> I believe maybe he has an example of without a calendar table or with some uh, manuscript with a lacuna. And this is a, and those reiterative tables were very common and they were around and he used it to supply the, the data in the text that he was copying. So inadvertently, even scientific calendar treatises became carriers of this popular reiterative calendar that didn't fit. Can I just ask you a, a quick question? Yes, please. Um, this example, though, is given by Israeli himself. The example, yes. The example is? Yes. Now, um, the, the two years, of the, 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 the before and the after, you've got the two, the two columns there, and the, 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 the early one, which is cycle 26199, mm -hmm. that, I think, that goes back to the 12th century, is that right? This is... That's the late 12th century? Yeah, I think so, yes. Into 12th century? Yeah. So which is long before Israeli's period. Yes. And the next cycle is into the 15th century, then much later. Yeah. So why are you giving an example which is from long before, where, which involves two days, one long before his period and the other long after? Why can't you just give us something more contemporary to when you um, He doesn't have much choice there. They're the calendar differs um, um, okay. as I said the calendar gets updated it was invented in the 10th century but by the time it got out to the Orient and uh, say to, 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 Euro to, to all sorts of European areas it was updated to the 12th century um, and it is not different from the standard calendar until mid-14th century, actually. So he can choose either an example from mid-14th century or an example from the 15th century. Quite why he chooses this one and not the other, I have no idea. But um, it's are not the, that... Are the, other, are, the, are the 14th century discrepancies more than one day? No, that's the one you it saw before. Right. So, yeah. right. so the answer is very simple. I think yeah. the answer may be simple. If you figure out Yom Tov Sheni, mm -hmm. the, the diaspora days, so being off one day is not a horrible problem yeah. because Passover will get picked up by one of those days. Being off two days for him bad, is a yeah. terrible problem yeah. because there's no coverage. I, uh, you know, I thought that before. In other words, a one-day discrepancy can be handled with Yom Tov Sheni yeah. with the second day of that, which is anyway... A mess. Once you're off two days, there's no recovery. So I think he goes to that example because he's got a two. I, I think he goes to that because he got a two-day discrepancy, and that's the first one that he's got. I mean, that's the question. Unless you find if there's an earlier two-day discrepancy, you'd be quite right. But if that's the first two-day discrepancy, that's the one. That's the one he needs. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought about it. How does the the, the second Yom Tov? Right. Back into this, calendar. but it's, this is too coincidental. This because all all those discrepancies on this one are covered by the second day, okay. and the other one is. He still ends up Yom Kippur on the wrong day, and Yom Kippur is very severe, mm -hmm. very very severe. True, except there were Rishonim who thought they should be Yom Tov Sheni there too. 
They didn't practice it. Yom Kippur. Yeah. It's all right. I agree. But but interestingly, Yom Kippur doesn't. Well, no, that, that's my that's that's me shortening. What I was trying to say here is that everything between New Year and Sukkot is off. Okay, so including Yom Kippur. Right? Yeah, yeah, everything. Okay, I hear. Between this Passover up to here, this Sukkot, everything's off. Unless you will say that Yom, to- that Yom Kippur doesn't have a Yom Toshini because it's said by Rosh Hashanah. In other words. Uh, we have to nuance it, but anyway, if there would be no other two-year discrepancies, there's something here. I still think so, but anyway. Yeah, that's so. Basically, since the, this calendar get, got into European lands, this is the first discrepancy, and the one described by Israel is the second discrepancy, hundred years, nearly hundred years later. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So this gets here and also gets here, I believe, inadvertently, by just by, by using a calendar table that the scribe has at hand. And the same happened... Uh, Gabriela, I'm not sure how much time I still have. You started an hour later, so you would have up to one o'clock. Okay. If you happen to finish earlier... Okay, okay, thank you. Would wrap it up if you can. Okay. Um, so the... the I was just saying that I don't think he did it on purpose. He did it inadvertently. And I have, uh, I believe, another example of this happening in an Ashkenazi prayer book. A scribe copies a calendar and says explicitly that the 247-year cycle is inaccurate. As He also says that you have to be extra specially careful when copying the calendar. He says, I have checked the calendar. I have made sure what the calendar I'm showing you is correct. And you need to take to take care to not to make mistakes as you're copying this, uh, because if you make mistakes, you will eat leavened bread on Passover. You will profane the Day of Atonement. It'll be very bad. And he uh, he says after you've copied, check two times, check three times, extra extra special care. But what should there be? The calendar that he's copied carries a mistake because he's copying a recycled table even though he says, no, this, t- this cycle is no good, and he says you need to be extra special, the mistake is just there, but he doesn't know about it. Um, so these mistakes crept up uh, very often. So one, one wonders whether um, by using, by using um, retrative calendar deviation, sort of discrepancy between two types of calendars really were created, or if so many people used the reiterative calendar that many of them celebrated together, but not on the same days as prescribed by the standard calendar. Where the um, cycle was introduced uh, into a more scientific text by uh, on purpose, but not by the author, is um, is my next example. Um, Jacob Benasher, <coughs> Jacob Benasher's work on calendar, uh, not on calendar, on um, law, Jew- Jewish law compendium, Arba'at Turim, uh, includes a section on calendar in Histur Orachayim. It is a law compendium composed in the 14th century in Toledo and an extremely popular, popular and influential work on Jewish law. Um, the calendar treatise uh, in this work uh, is more on the side of cal- short calendar manual of how to calculate um, 
the calendar than on the side of a scientific treatise. But still, it describes the, of course, it describes the standard rules of calendar reckoning. It doesn't say anything about reiterative calendar, and it puts, it supplies a table there that, um, a table that starts in the 19-year cycle 267, slightly before the time of composition, and goes until the end of the sixth millennium. Um, there's a description in, for the table where he says, sometimes some 19-year cycles have the same calendar. So these I will put together in one column, but where uh, the, cyc uh, the cycle is different from, from what comes before or after 13 cycles uh, from it, I will put this cycle separately. So he has a table like this um, of 22 columns, and what is at the top here is slightly enlarged here. Can you see? I don't know. Um, so, for example, cycles 267, 280, then 293, and 3.6 are the same, and he has them in the same first column. They're all 13 cycles apart because this is the only way. Um, but the next cycle, 268, is different from what comes 13 cycles later in 281. <coughs> And they come in two different columns, um, one here and one somewhere there. So he isn't making it um, a cycle, but he puts together what is, what is correctly together, but he doesn't have a cycle as such. Um, and although this table is not uniformly present in all the manuscripts, this is what is found in the majority of them, and this is what best fits his description. What do you see in the printed versions of Arbaturim? A cycle. Um, a cycle where um, it works for four iterations of 19-year cycles, so all of them now have, um, this is what we had in the manuscript, 267, 280, 293, and 306, they have the same calendar, but the printed version also claims that um, all of them, all the 19-year cycles that are 13 years apart will be identical. So a printer, for whatever reason, has turned the non-cyclical table into a cyclical table, printed it, and actually caused a lot of halachic controversy. How comes um, the author of Arbaraturim tells us it's a cycle where it isn't a cycle. What's, uh, what does he want with it? Yeah, so sometimes the, the table got there on purpose, but not by the author of the uh, more scientific work. Uh, so here is my dilemma. Uh, we have scientific treatises, on one side of the scale and the reiterative calendar tables on the other side of the scale. And we see that scientific treatises um, very vigorously refute the calendar cycle and the cycle just as vigorously continues to thrive. And my question is why? And this is where I really need your input. <laughs> um, is it that the users and copies of the table are unaware of the cycle's inaccuracy? Is it that they are aware of the inaccuracy but unable to set calendar by calculation and say, well, 
that we'll have to make do with what we can use? Or is it that they actually prefer convenience over <coughs> accuracy because it's much more convenient to use a table uh, without con calculating anything? I'll say right now that I don't know the answer. <laughs> um, I have maybe some ideas that I might share with you, but please, please contribute after I finish. Um, so I'd say the first two ideas that maybe they are unaware of the cycles in accuracy or aware but don't know how to set a calendar in another way have to, uh, have to do with education. What do we know about calendrical education? It seems that we don't know much. It seems that there aren't that many sources that talk about quite how people learned to set calendar. And it um, isn't entirely clear to me even whether it was part of a halachic education or part of a scientific education. On the one hand, calendar is part of science, is based on astronomy and requires some mathematics. On the other hand, it is something very, very urgently needed uh, in halachic life. So it shouldn't be that you have a community not interested in science, so they say, well, we don't, learn, we don't do science, we can't do calendar. This is, shouldn't be a situation. Um, it appears that the way to learn calendar was not so much from books, but from a, from a tutor, from a mentor. Uh, I found a citation in a 15th century manuscript from Ashkenaz that, uh, that tells you that calendar is, he tells, I, I've been asked to just write quick rules of Calendar, like there are very quick rules on other halachic matters, uh, like shkita, uh, I think, and forbidden foods. And he says, no, you can't deal with calendar like that because calendar is a deep issue and serious calculations are involved. And a person cannot understand all this unless he learns with uh, another person who is an expert in calendar and in, in all its traditions. Otherwise, if you don't have somebody to learn with, you'll need to spend great efforts to, to learn it. So what I take from this is normally it's best to learn with somebody. If there's nobody, you could learn from a book, but it's very, very difficult to do this. So apparently, <clears throat> you learn to calculate calendar from a mentor. And, and then the question is, what was this mentor teaching? Did this mentor know I'm not even asking, did he read scientific works? Maybe not, but did it filter through? Did the knowledge from scientific works, did their, um, even just their statements on calendar filter through to those teaching calendar? I don't know. Um, um, another thing, especially if you're learning not so much from books as with another person, is the authority of local custom and maybe of the scientific works. Um, can it be that uh, people knew what scientific works said but didn't care so much because it was more convenient to use uh, a reiterative calendar and scientific precision maybe wasn't that important? Or also, for example, sometimes you have halachic works uh, of a named authority that had this reiterative calendar. For example, Sefer Mahari, a rather influential book of German customs in the 15th century, has reiterative calendar. Somebody reading 
this halachic works, halachic work with reiterative calendar, and then maybe reading a scientific works work that refutes it. Who would he, what would he care more for, more for the halachic work or the scientific work? Also, I notice that whenever there is some discussion of um, a calendar dispute, not, not the Saad Ebenir calendar dispute, but a later medieval dispute, they never refer to um, scientific work to say, uh, um, the scientific, uh, Isaac Israeli says so and so, this is how you need to fix the calendar. But there is a case, uh, at least one documented case in Yemen in the 14th century where they checked the, the reiterative calendar that they had against the rules of Maimonides, Sanctification of the New Moon, which is a calendar treatise within a halachic code. So you can see calendar in halachic codes may be influencing the calendar decisions, but you, you never see, at least I've not found evidence, of calendar in a scientific work uh, explicitly stated to, to, to solve a calendar dispute, so to say. The truth is that scientific works hardly talk about this cycle. Apart from that short passage in Yisodavam, which you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, but um, they give you the rules for the correct Yeah, but they don't that. explicitly expose um, the, Ibn Ezra the, false, the falsehood of the cycle. They don't even discuss or mention um, Not necessarily. Ibn Ezra has an explicit statement against the cycle. In Shloshashelot, uh, Isaac Israel has a passage against this cycle. Uh, Prophet Duran has a passage against this cycle. The standard, the standard, well, okay, a commentary uh, on Maimonides has a passage against this cycle. So texts against this cycle do exist, and also in those liturgical. Uh, and halachic calendar manuals, here and there, there is a statement against this cycle. It's not that there's nothing against it. This may teach us a lot about the status of really scientific work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So this is where I want to stop my talk and start the discussion. If we could talk about sort of convenience versus precision, about local custom versus scientific knowledge and authority of local custom and halakha versus authority of scientific knowledge. And also maybe about educational system uh, for applied sciences. Uh, you, we can probably think of other applied sciences, uh, not just the calendar. If, please. One, one point, if I remember correctly, Whenever we have these tables with the with the cycle, the four hundred uh, two hundred and forty seven year cycle, mm -hmm. often there are little corrections, making it conform to the standard what we call the standard calendar. But I never saw anything the other way around. When we have the cycle from the standard calendar, I never saw corrections uh, bringing it into conformity with the with the with the so called the other system. So that shows that although there was some widespread uh, use, or well, I don't know, use. There's a wide, there is a dissemination of the cyclical thing. There still seems to be in people's minds somewhere uh, the sense that that should not that that it's overridden in case of conflict by. So they're using it, but they're saying that it gets overridden in case of conflict by the other one. That, I, I just want to establish if that is correct. 
And this also just raises the question of how, did, as Alana alluded to, did the monographs with the standard calendar also have tables, as simple as this other table? But were they ever looked at? Were they, or, or were they used? And if they weren't, then you know, how were these corrections made in the 200 and 247? On what basis were these corrections put into those 247 year cycles? Um, you are right that the cycles are sometimes corrected. Um, some, they are corrected both for errors that result from reiteration, from recycling, but they're also corrected for scribal errors. And I'm not sure that those correcting could make out the difference where they are correcting a scribal error and where they are correcting an error of recycling. <coughs> uh, and calendar that is not based on um, on reiteration also sometimes gets recycled, but not to fit to the to the cyclical calendar. That's true. So they they get corrected where there's scribal errors. Um, quite how they found out that they need to correct their calendar table is a big question. Um, so in this case of a controversy in Yemen, they said some of our wise men checked the calendar against the rules of sanctification of the new moon, and they found there is a discrepancy, and there was a big controversy, which calendar is right, and in the end, Maimonides won. When was that? Uh, that's in the 14th century. This is actually where, when the first discrepancy happened since the introduction of the reiterative calendar. Um, also in the 15th century, I believe there is a printed work where <clears throat> somebody says, I think what he had in front of himself is a, is a table similar to this, because at least the date, the, the coverage of years is similar to this, and another table, and he compared them and said, well, they're different. Uh, what did he do? He went and calculated all the new moons and established his own calendar, and from his own calculation, and he was a, a, a scholarly-minded person. So he didn't go and check the tables in uh, Yesodolam, for example, or in any other scientific authority, and he didn't refer to any scientific authority, actually. He just went and used the rules of calculating the new moon, calculated for himself. Yeah. <clears throat> More questions? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, what would have been such a disaster if the reiterated calendar had been accepted as a, a definition of the uh, of the norm. I mean, you, you talk of inaccuracy that's compared with the standard fixed calendar. Why why is that regarded as the absolute standard? Would it have been a disaster for Jewish practice if the iterated calendar had been accepted as a new definition of the of the calendar? Well, I don't think astronomically it would be a disaster. It just didn't make it. It just didn't make the race, the, the reiterative calendar. It, 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 am I right saying that it could have been a valid and good calendar? It is slightly less accurate astronomically. Well, accurate astronomically. No, compared with the astronomy. Astronomically, it's slightly less the value which is used for the model is slightly excessive. And 
that this cycle would imply an even more excessive value for the nation, but it's, it's a very minor difference. I mean, the fixed calendar does not use an astronomical precise length for the nation. It, it's not scientifically perfect either. That's what I'm saying. It's just the, the existing one is slightly excessive. to fit with the standard, showing that what they want to achieve is actually the standard calendar. They just use this reiterative calendar as a means of setting the standard calendar, not as a separate revolutionary calendar. Right, so I think we can have just one more question, but for sure, it's both of you you want to ask the question. So either two short ones, otherwise we have time over lunch and we will have time at the end of the day to... Mine is very short. Very short ones. So we've been talking here uh, about the, the connection between the, the rabbinic calendar and this simple system, but what about the rabbinic calendar and the astrological system? And do we have anybody out there saying, listen everybody, we're celebrating this holiday on the wrong day because astrologically it should actually be the day before, the day after. I mean, does that play into communal practice ever? Astrologically. Yes. I haven't what looked at astro astro astrologically, astronomically. The, the astrologically or astronomically? In the Middle Ages, it's usually the same term. Um, but when they're calculating it out, does anybody ever said say our community is doing it wrong because the calculations say it should be here, but we're following, um, you know, practice that's putting it here. No, they put it where the calculation tells me tells them, or where the reiterative calendar tells them. I think, uh, but they're not observing it anymore. At least in the twelfth or so or later centuries, they'll never observe it. Uh, there's some evidence for observational calendar in the early eleventh, isn't it? Isn't there? But not after that. So observation is no longer part of the part of the, the game. Right, so they're relying specifically on the scientific calculation of it um, across the board. Yeah. 
I was just wanting to bring in another angle, yeah. to suggest another angle, and that is the, the interesting um, aspect of the 13 the thirteen year cycle in the reiterative um, calendar. Uh -huh. um, but 13 is possibly uh, a symbolic number, because it's you know, astronomically a symbolic number, and therefore there was sort of an affection for it, and it was obviously useful and convenient, but people didn't want to let it go. Not because convenience versus precision, uh -huh. but because it was, it had to kind of like a magical, symbolic, um, nice number for, uh, for Jewish purposes, the 13. And um, the mm -hmm. idea that, that, that you could, that there, there'd be a, like a discrepancy between your components and festivals. Um, wouldn't be necessarily a problem in, in, in Judaism because there's a whole tradition of, um, from the second time of the period, you have the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees celebrating Shavuot on different different times, and have the Karaites, obviously, um, and, and the Rabbinites celebrating, and have the documentary evidence that the, uh, of, of the Ketubah saying that the, you have to allow the wife to, to celebrate her festivals at, at the same, at a different time, uh, at time. So I don't think celebrating festivals may not have been such an issue, and to have them always at the same time, and 13 may have, if it was, there was such a big deal, big difference between the astronomical difference with the Rabbinite calendar, then 13, just another another aspect of convenience versus precision, but there was a, a popular attachment to having a 13 cycle. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying about the 13 is very interesting, really, and I'll have to talk to you about it. Um, what you're saying about not a big issue to celebrate holiday on different days, it's different in the Middle Ages from what it is in the Second Temple time. So it, by the time you get to the Middle Ages, it really is important for them to celebrate all together, at least within Rabbanite Judaism. And this, uh, maybe I should have mentioned, all that I talked about uh, concerned Rabbanite Judaism only because Karaites did it uh, completely differently. But thank you. Uh, okay, so thank you very much again. Thank you.